Hi and welcome to episode 5 of You Podcast, the show about small ticket entertainment. My name is Asim Bernie and I'm joined by my regular co-hosts Martin Cawley and Ahmed. Every show we talk about news and technology that you might have missed and we always have a weekly discussion of a non-mainstream or forgotten movie. This week we'll be discussing the German movie Counterfeiters. Oh yeah, hi, let's get the show started. So hey guys, how's how's everybody doing? Everything's fine. I have uh, a scratched eyeball and a broken finger and a <laughs> cough and a cold, but hey, I'm fine. You're like one step away from being a pirate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You should give me an eye patch to cover my left eye, and yeah. uh, I'll be more of a pirate than you can ever be. You're about to shiver timbers and stuff like that. <laughs> I am. Jeez. How about you, Ahmed? Uh, after what Marty just said, I can't complain at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we all can't complain. We got yeah, our eyes. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, let's get the show started then. Uh, let's start with the start of the week, Marty's weekly visit to the na- land of numbers. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Well, this week's uh, start of the week, or the number of the week, is it... it pretty much uh, has become since we started, is uh, 50,000. And the reason I've picked 50,000 this week is that this is the amount in US dollars that the uh, Togo football team was fined for not playing in the African Nations Cup after their team coach was uh, held up and shot at <laughs> and they had two members of uh, their party actually uh, killed in um, in Kabinda which is uh, a region in uh, in Angola where the uh, African Nations Cup was being held and for some strange reason that nobody really understands the uh, the African equivalent of UEFA has decided to ban Togo from playing in the next two African Nations Cups and has fined them £50,000 because they decided that they should go home and have a period of mourning uh, after losing two members of their uh, their team. And uh, It's forced I, I mourning? I, well, I mean, they, they were obviously ambushed by, by local militia. Two guys on their coach died because they were shot. Their goalkeeper is in hospital. He may not walk again, let alone play football. Um, and, in their, and in their amazing wisdom, the uh, African version of, uh, of UEFA has decided that because they didn't actually participate in the tournament, because the, uh, the Togo government recalled the team for some mourning, and obviously if they had even decided to play, then I think their minds would have been a little bit elsewhere. Um, but why did they shot. get fined though? I still don't get, uh, okay, I understand the, they have to mourn and stuff happen, but why get fined? Well, this, this is, this is why I raised the, uh, the number <laughs> as, uh, as a start of the week, because it, it's just so incomprehensible. And, I mean, it really, it's $50,000, I mean, what does that even cover? It, it covers nothing. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's effectively a drop in the ocean. Um, and the, the whole situation is, is just very, very bizarre. Um, you would think that um, you, you would want the Togo football team to be given as much opportunity to play football again and to, to help African football um, present itself on the world stage. And instead what will happen is that they won't have any warm-up games for qualifying games for 
the African Nations Cup matches because they won't be playing in the African Nations Cup for the next two occasions. Okay. Um, so I think it's it's highly insensitive. Um, it's it's utterly utterly bizarre, and I don't think anybody is served at all well by this action that's been taken on the team. Um, so that's my number of the week at fifty thousand, and it's it's all very bizarre. But I mean, you know, whenever it concerns football, I usually switch off. But uh, <laughs> something does come, uh, did come, some good did come out of uh, out of this African Cup, right, uh, Ahmed? Oh yeah, three days ago, uh, Egypt won uh, the African Cup. <laughs> <laughs> did you celebrate a little bit, Ahmed? Uh, not did you, really. Did you wave like your little Egyptian flag? <laughs> I blew the horn a couple of times when I got the SMS, but that was about as much excited as I got. So. Did you pick? Did you pick any fights? <laughs> no, you, no, no. Did no, you throw no. any I'm chairs? I'm Algerian, dude. It's fine. <laughs> did, you, did you throw any chairs? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Man, you're not a proper football fan, then, man. No. <laughs> or a soccer fan. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, thanks for that, Marty. Um, maybe we can uh, move over to our next segment. So this is a segment of the show we call The Underwhelming Trinity, where we talk about tech news and anything else that has popped up on the U Podcast radar since the last show. Ahmed, maybe you can get us started. All right. Well, this week I decided to steer a little bit uh, away from uh, technology, and uh, I came across something quite interesting. Whenever I tell you guys the name Aston Martin and Porsche, what would you picture straight away? Um, a hot chicks with slow motion bikini action. Okay, so back to reality, Marty. <laughs> what do you see? <laughs> so uh, apart from apart from Asim's alternate universe, <laughs> which we all want to visit, right? <laughs> what if it involves hot chicks? Then it's fine. Um, and the slow motion. And well, slow motion bikinis, hot chicks—it's never a bad combination. Um, even though I had never really experienced it, <laughs> but it, it sounds like a good combination. Um, uh, no, I would think uh, sports cars, fast cars, uh, roasters. Yeah, you know. I don't know. When I think Porsche, I think a racing car. When I think Aston Martin, I think DB9, James Bond's car. Yeah. yeah. So what really, really got to me is that. Uh, I was just checking out the new cars, and uh, I saw the new Aston Martin uh, introduced to the market a car called the Rapid, which is a four-door Aston Martin, so a DB9 with four doors. Crazy thing about this car is that it does 0 to 100 kilometers an hour in 5.1 seconds. Now, is this something you want for a family car with four seats? I mean, really? No, man. (laughs) What is the point of this car? Can we just agree by saying this is not a good idea? Just just check this out. It's a four-door car. That has a V12 six-liter engine. And what? What? How are? I mean, what are? What are they trying to do? They're just positioning it as a, a usual family car, like buy a yeah, Volvo or buy the Rapid. <laughs> that's it. It's it's a sedan. And Porsche couldn't let go of that, so obviously they had to release the Panamera. What's that? It's also a four-door Porsche for the family. Which it's is the, it's the it's the nine it's the nine eleven but with four doors, right? Yeah. You can say that. And it's a V eight, so it's slightly weaker. Man looks with weird four point, with four doors, no? It 
it looks super weird. When I when we post the links, you guys will see them. And uh, however, the Porsche loses by a fraction of a second because it does uh, zero to a hundred in five point two seconds. So uh, big up to Aston Martin. <laughs> yeah, the Porsche is so slow. My grand <laughs> more quickly. So uh, I never understood the concept of why would Aston Martin, why would Porsche release a four-door car? And I was reading on forums that there are prototypes of four-door Lamborghini. Now, really? <laughs> Man, it's just for the douchebag that had the Porsche before, so he can have one when he's later on. It's kind of like bridge his midlife crisis. Yeah, yeah, Marty, what's up with British luxury marks, man? Explain that to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you that what's up with British luxury brands is that this one is actually Indian anyway, so it's... Um, <laughs> <laughs> blame it, you went with blame it on India, Marty? That was your explanation. No, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying it's, it's not British anymore. I mean, it's made here and obviously uh, and produced here and designed here. Um, but uh, no, I think it's owned by Tata, isn't it? Uh, Aston Martin. Uh, I think they bought it from Ford. But uh, no, I think, I mean, to be honest, I think the cars look great. Uh, I think it's debatable uh, whether there's a need for it. But then you can sort of debate that there's even a need for a 911 or, you know, a DB7 or a DB9 that is a two door coupe um, in the first place. But uh, I think, you know, obviously the, the kinds of people that will buy these cars are footballers. And uh, bankers, um, or their wives, or their or their wives. I don't think that there's going to be any any pretension of mm, now that they've released a four-door car, I can get my two sons in the back. I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. I don't think that's why they've released the cars. Maybe uh, that works perfect for uh, Pierce Brosnan. This way, he can go with his kids in the James Bond car. It's it's a good excuse to just. Shell out on a really expensive car if you have a lot of money. But I'm, uh, I'm maybe you can pretend to your wife that you're doing something responsible. No, it's not just a sports car. All four of us can sit in this. Um, <laughs> well, okay. So maybe you can move uh, on to Marty. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, in some senses I've taken up the uh, the technology baton this week. Uh, <laughs> although when you actually take a look at the pictures that feature here, you might actually say it's anti. Uh, tech, in fact. What I've managed to uncover is uh, uh, just a, a, a silly little article um, on uh, the register.co.uk, uh, which they've lovingly entitled Event Blockers. And um, really what this means is that they've got photos of the insides of uh, PCs, and it's basically showing you what happens if you don't take a little vacuum cleaner to the inside of your PC. Uh, for quite a few years, and you can basically see all the horrible, horrible, horrible build-up of dust and grime and mice and other things that can apparently enter your machines. Uh, so I think there's a word of warning here as well, which is you really ought to be taking off your your uh, your front screens for uh, for PCs and things, giving a bit of a clean out because the fan obviously sucks in. A lot of dust and a lot of dirt and a lot of crap, which really ought to be affecting performance, not in a good way. Um, so go and have a look and then maybe think about what's on the inside of your computer and uh, and then have a heart attack. Man, I mean, these these 
pictures are pretty bad. I mean, it's like they're, they've been in a sandstorm. Or the, the thing I'm worried about, if this PC is dirty, how dirty is the owner of this PC? Because <laughs> you can't let, let things get so far, you know. These people, before they start taking pictures of their PCs, they need to go and take a shower. Well, I just, I just think it's, it's, it's something that I don't think people really think about doing is, is taking the side off their PC and, and figuring out how much dirt and crap is, uh, is building up. And I think a lot of these machines as well, they are, um, in situ in businesses. And I think we're all aware of how neglect can take place for these kinds of things in businesses. Um, so yeah, if you got if you got a dog, maybe some dog, quite a few dog hairs in there, <laughs> attracting more and more dust. Things get sucked in around disk drives, things like that. It's 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 all pretty rank actually. Um, so yeah, go go ahead and knock yourself out <laughs> and, uh, and have a look at the horror show. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, okay, uh, my turn. Um, I know everybody is probably talking about Lost, the season premiere of season six that just uh, um, was released last night. I saw it, and it is amazing. Um, the tragedy of our show is that nobody except me watches Lost, and we can't really talk about it, right? Nope. <laughs> no, Lost sucks. <laughs> Lost sucks, you. Have you even watched it, Marty? <laughs> yes, I have. When did you quit? Season two or three? One. One, okay. That's, that's a bit too much now. <laughs> yeah, but no, it, I got to the I got to the point where they looked down the hatch, and then it switched channel, and then I thought, mm, if I'm not bothered about getting the channel that it's now moved to, you know what? It's not actually that good. <laughs> no, well, anyway, the it started with a bang, and it's amazing. Anybody who's watching it is probably really excited. What I wanted to talk about is um, um, another little show I, st- uh, I started watching and catching up on. It's called the Veronica Mars. And um, it's it, the show is starring Kristen Bell, who's been in a few movies like Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Couples Retreat lately. Um, and it's a show about a high school private investigator, um, a very, very, um, how, how can I call it? Um, sassy. Yeah, that's the word. Unbelievably sassy invest, private investigator, um, in a high school. And, um, it's three seasons. It, it, it was canceled after the three seasons, but it was, it's really interesting. Um, and it, it's not at all a show that, I would expect to like. I mean, it's about a blonde girl in high school um, and kind of the dilemmas that she lives. And But the story is very engrossing. It's, it has a film noir kind of feel, feel of it. She, ha- she does the narration all the time. Um, and it, it deals with some very, very dark themes like murder, rape, and whatnot. And I don't know how... You've, you guys have probably never heard of the show, right? I've seen it on my sister, Plantic yeah, she's a big fan. So, have you checked it out? Yeah, I've seen a few episodes. Like, I don't follow it, but I watch it whenever my sister has it on. And the girl is really hot. So. <laughs> yeah, I, but I I don't know how old she is, but I don't know. She plays a high school kid, and oh, one, there's but... no chance she's in high school. Yeah, I don't. Think I refuse to think that. You you never heard of it, Marty, right? No, not at all. But it's it's not a bad show. It's actually really interesting how they go around like investigating about things. It's it has its own thing going on. Yeah, it kind of has like separate mysteries per episode, and then like an overarching story arc, which is 
pretty dark and pretty interesting. Uh, the first episode is about the, the murder of her best friend and her date rape. And that's not something that you would expect in a normal high school uh, kind of setting. But uh, yeah, it's a really good show. Um, so yeah, Veronica Mars, you should check it out. Um, and the second thing I wanted to talk about is um, the soundtrack to the Bollywood movie Ishkia by Vishal Bhardwaj. And here is a track. first episode we reviewed a film by uh, an indian director um actually we call i'm calling him a director but he's so much more he's a he's a writer he's a producer he's a and also a music composer and uh, he has a new a movie out which he has not directed but produced and um he has composed the music and the soundtrack of it and i'll just play one song out of it um it's sung by uh, rahat ali khan who is um nusrat fateh ali khan's um nephew um nusrat fateh ali khan if you don't know him he was uh, one of the legends of qawwali music which is a uh, um inspired sufi music um re- with a religious base um and uh, nusrat fateh ali went on to do soundtrack for uh um natural bone killers he worked with uh, in dead man walking he had a few albums with peter gabriel which were amazing you should check it out but the song i'm playing is sung by his nephew uh, from the album ishkia here it goes daant se reshmi dor katti nahi album um it's uh this song is based on qawwali which it's it, this is a more commercial form the normal qawwali is uh is very close to in a way jazz almost and it's very tough to listen um and uh, kind of get into and this is more of a commercial um way of uh, approach to the music that um also his uncle kind of um popularized um i'm going to upload a few other songs on the on the on the site with the postings i sent you guys a few songs too did you get a chance to listen to them amit yeah check them out really really nice part a big part of qawwali is actually the lyrics but even the cuz the lyrics are real sheer poetry but i think even the way they sing it does have like an even an emotional effect on you no i completely completely agree because uh because i don't understand the language obviously so i can just hear what's going on and i can completely see it in like a really romantic setting or a dramatic setting because the music is so like it can be gone on different levels 
If that makes any sense. What about you, um, uh, Marty? Did you have uh, a chance to check it out? Yeah, I did. He's uh, an incredible range, mm. it seems to me. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's quite remarkable, actually. I, I'm surprised he doesn't tire himself out because I mean, seriously, mm. because it, there seems to be uh, the way that he sings must take a lot of uh, must take a lot of um, energy from the diaphragm mm. in order to because I, I think he take, must take in very deep breaths, and then he seems to be able to project his voice for an awful long time. Yeah, but hasn't he been doing that since he was 10 or something like that? Yeah, he's, uh, the, yeah it's, so. it, it takes years and years of practice. practice. Exactly, it's, so. uh, it's, it's an art form, and um, yeah, it's, um, it's amazing, and this guy is really good at it. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but um, Kamine had an awesome soundtrack, right? I remember, yeah, it was very nice. And just imagine, this guy is able to make this music, produce this music, um, write the songs, produce the movie, write, direct Kamine, and then do this. I'm just amazed by this guy. Vishal Bhardwaj, I would um, suggest people check out his work, even his movies. Uh, we spoke about him more in episode one, but Pool and um, another one he made, Omkara, which are both uh, adaptation of Shakespeare's plays. Um, yeah, you should definitely check it out. Okay, so that was the trailer for Counterfeiters, a 2007 German movie written and directed by Stefan Ruzowitzki. Um, Marty, this was your pick. Um, why are we watching this movie? A couple of reasons we're watching the movie. Uh, one is that we kind of cocked it up uh, when we did the post, <laughs> um, and we couldn't agree on a film that I wanted to watch, that we all wanted to watch, so we did the postman instead. Um, and then in the meantime, I'd actually gotten round to taking the cellophane off of the DVD of The Counterfeiters that I bought ages ago, um, watched it and uh, told you about it and, and how good I thought the film was. Um, so really, it's, uh, it's for actually quite a basic reason. Um, <laughs> the motivation of this show just must be mind-boggling for certain people. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> but that said, um, the, the film is... I mean, if, if I didn't find it a good film, I wouldn't have mentioned it in such a, a way and I don't think we'd have started watching it um, as part of uh, as part of UPod um, the, the film itself like you say directed by 
Stefan Rusovitsky, and it basically explains, conveys the story of the largest money counterfeiting uh, project in history, which was actually organized by the Nazis uh, in the late 30s, and it was basically their idea that as part of the war, they would flood the economies of the UK and the US with counterfeit currency, destabilize everything, it would be part of their war effort, um, and they would obviously win the war, and the rest would have been history. Um, however, the twist of this is that in order to do this, they actually were relying on Jewish prisoners of war um, who were in the concentration camps, um, and they basically were taking the people who they knew were skilled in certain areas, so whether they were known counterfeiters or whether they had printing expertise, graphic design, um, anything to do with uh, you know producing counterfeit money. Um, so the counterfeiters is an adaptation of that story. That's that's pretty much it without giving the, the game away too much. Um, it, it doesn't dwell so much, in my opinion, on the atrocities of, of the Holocaust or or how... Uh, how the Jews were were treated in the concentration camps. I mean, that is touched upon, but I, I think you can't necessarily make this film without touching upon that. Um, but that's not necessarily the be-all and end-all. And I, What I found fascinating was that you had these little relationships between the German prison guards and, uh, and, uh, and uh, officers, army officers, the inmates themselves, how their relationship was affected by how they received different and effectively special treatment from the German army officers um, compared to the other Jews who were, who were really, really were suffering. Um, so there's just a, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, I mean, I'll just sort of sit back and, and listen to maybe you and Ahmed, and, and then we can maybe talk about some other things. Um, I mean, I have my own sort of uh, okay. appreciation, which I'm, I'm sure that you'll, you'll echo, because I think it is just such a, a good quality film. Yeah. That I think there'll be lots of points that we have in common. I mean, needless to say, it did win the uh, the Oscar for, uh, for Best Foreign Film in 2008. Mm. I mean, it's, it's I, don't, I don't think that actually affects how I value the film anyway, but it is at least the mainstream recognition of, uh, mm. of how good it was. I mean, I, I think... Um uh, it's a pretty recent movie, and uh, usually we don't talk about recent movies that much. But I think this kind of—I think best foreign movies—they win some, they win the award, and then they still kind of die a slow death. People kind of forget about them. There's like only a few that kind of maybe stand out, no? Um, but um, Crouching Tiger. Yeah, Crouching Tiger. Uh, I think Life is Beautiful, which was also kind of a Holocaust movie. Or did that not win? It did win, right? I'm not sure. Life is Beautiful. I think it won. But anyway, um, that was also uh, kind of a concentration camp movie in a sense. Um, but would you call would you call this a Holocaust movie? Personally, no. But uh... that, I, I, that's what I find so fascinating about this movie. It's it is about. German occupation, it's about concentration camps, how Jewish counterfeiters are treated, but I wouldn't still not kind of call it an Holocaust movie. Um, maybe you can uh, go to Ahmed. Ahmed, what did you what did you think about the movie? Yeah, see, that's the thing. When I um, 
read a small uh, storyline about it. I was going into the movie expecting nothing but a concentration camp film, but uh, in reality, it's really, really not. And I really, really like how they, uh, let's say, steered away from that, but in a very, very nice, amazing way. Or you guys don't agree? Um, no, no, no. I, uh, I, I, I agree. I mean, it's the thing is, you can't say you enjoyed the movie. I mean, it's kind of the wrong word to say uh, you enjoy a movie about concentration camps. But I think it was very interesting to watch. I think it was very interesting to watch things unfold from a German perspective. And I think you and me, Marty, we were kind of talking about it, but then we said, let's nod and let's record it. Um, yeah. I, I mean. If you compare it to three recent, two recent movies, Valkyrie and Inglorious Bastards, although Inglorious Bastards is a very different movie, obviously, um, or, or even throw in um, uh, Life is Beautiful, uh, Roberto Benigni's movie. Um, I won't try to pronounce it, the Italian uh, name, but let's just go with Life is Beautiful. Um, and you compare this... Um, I think it's a very interesting way to see how uh, Nazism and how that kind of crazy um, ideas started to um, uh, gain ground in Germany, and I, it, it was super interesting to see how they. I don't feel in a in in this kind of movie they, in a sense, demonize Nazis. They kind of it, it makes you feel more that this can happen again. You know, these kind of ideas of governments taking over. These kind of racists, uh, underfeelings in society bubbling up. I think in this movie you can kind of feel really that this can really happen again, just because you're seeing it from a German perspective. Having watched the film a couple of times, that the the good thing is that you do see because they start the film prior to being in the uh, being in the camps and, and prior to the uh, to the plot to uh, to counterfeit a lot of money um, actually starting. So you do see that the main character Sully. He's a bit of a ladies, bit of a ladies man. He's known as being a counterfeiter, a forger, and unfortunately, he's a little bit too well known because the police swoop in and uh, and arrest him. And it's at that point when German society is just sort of changing from it's just when it's, it's, it's just starting when, to go wrong <laughs> when it's starting to, to take on a malevolent feel. It's actually when people. Are, it's when people are actually starting to, you know, uh, arrest Jewish people because they're Jewish, not because they're a criminal, for example, and it is, and that's that's kind of when the film starts, and then you don't actually see much in terms of uh, a, you know a daily normal life after that because it it, it moves pretty quickly on to uh, to life in the prison camp, and and then it's more about the interaction between the prisoners and the Germans. Uh, it's also about the conflicts that they actually have themselves because you have obviously the sense that as Jewish people, although personally they're well looked after, they have they have warm beds, they have hot water, things like that. They're, they're actually well let's well let's stuff. clarify, only the, the the people that are the counterfeiters have beds. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's Pre what precisely. It's these little interactions that you have, and, e and even then you have other interactions between um, Jewish people who had very high rank, or not high ranking, but uh, you know, 
pretty much uh, upper class jobs like bankers and uh, I, th- I think and that's that's really interesting in the movie is to see that um, life still kind of goes on yeah there's still that conflict and hierarchy between the bankers and the ones with the green triangle there's a humor people are kind of telling jokes and there's a, even a ping pong table you know what I mean but they're in a concentration camp and it's uh, um, and it, it, there's this whole layer of feeling guilty but trying to kind of survive and that's what kind of the movie is all about too what i really found uh, very um the intro scene let's talk about that for a second um which i i thought was really interesting because it starts out in a, almost a james bond kind of atmosphere yeah <laughs> that's what i was really thinking of the first moment i saw is he's in monte carlo he's gambling he's got women he's got a tuxedo and just the moment when you start making the connection of james bond you see the oh. serial number <laughs> yeah. uh, um were there uh, any scenes uh Ahmed, for you that specifically stood out i think out of the, let me break it down like this out of the whole film I connected the most with uh, Sally and Berger, and uh, I think... I think you're supposed to. <laughs> no, like, as in uh, what I connected with, the last scene when he was carrying him and walking away, I thought that was, like, amazing acting and emotion coming out of Sally. Yeah. I don't know if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, the final scene, right? That yeah, seems- well, no, that's not the final scene, because also I really, really like the, the final, final scene when he's dancing on the beach. mm Okay. That's... And uh, I really thought, I don't know, like, the guy really, really acted very, very well. It makes me think of, uh, when you say acted really well, it makes me think of that South Park, uh, no, Team America clip. Where he's like, how did you do that? I just thought of the saddest thing ever, and I just <laughs> acted. <laughs> no, but I agree. Uh, the guy that played uh, Sally, he's uh, he's he's amazing. I mean, everybody, everybody. I think the just the Germanness adds to the authenticity so much. Um, it's it's a, it's a pretty good movie. Um, although I. I, I I like the scenes, the bookend scene. Let's call them the bookend scenes, you know, the ones okay. in Monte Carlo. Um, but I kind of was wondering what the point of it was. You know, it's kind of like put put a whole kind of um, put the whole movie in a nice little package in a way, you know. But um, I don't know that if they were necess- necessary. What do you guys? Um, I mean, I I. I <laughs> I think they are necessary, um, and I think the reason that you have the scene at the beginning is that obviously that's that's him having having basically made his escape. He's he's got money, and it's him doing the things that he possibly feels that he ought to do because he has a bucket load of money. He's not in prison anymore, the war's over, so he books into a nice hotel, he's got wads and wads of cash. But then, what you don't see until the final bookend, when that is actually revisited, is that uh, it's not all it's cracked up to be. And he obviously feels unbelievably guilty. Yeah, I think he's disgusted about About the money, and about how he came by the money, and I think it's about what people had to go through in order for the money to exist and how in fact it's actually a burden it's not actually a luxury it's it, it, it's not a means of escape or 
or sort of release anymore. It, it's something that he feels burdened by. Um, well, that said, that said, mm-hmm. there is also the, I think it's one of the last things that he said, which is, we'll just make some more. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's it's almost like he goes back to where he was in 1935, 1936. Um, but I think it's more that he probably had the means to create more money, but in the sense that once he'd gotten rid of all of the money that had come from the operation in the camps, that he had to get rid of that and not use that to sort of further his wealth. Or, or, or. But I think there's something that, you know, if you, you know, I think, I mean, certainly I know people who've said that if they, if they come very easily into money, so if they find 50 quid, then you shouldn't hang on to it. It's, it's a bonus and a blessing, and you should either give it away or you should, uh, you know, just spend it on something you wouldn't normally spend it on. So just. But correct me or disagree with me on this. Um, I'll do both. I saw... <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> uh, I saw him the way he was at the final scene, um, all very sad and whatnot, but not because of him losing the money. Um, because throughout the whole film, he was a dilemma. It's either you fight for what you believe in and die, or you cooperate with the enemy and you save your own skin. And he was there. In the end, he survived. So, uh, like what Marty said, the, the the way I saw why he just went in there and just completely and utterly blew off all the money because he sees it as blood money. Like people who he built reports with, relationships with, lived with in the... the, the the prison for a while, some of them made it, some of them didn't, I mean, that's why he just wanted to blow up all this money, he kept struggling with this dilemma, and in the end, he saw himself that he survived, unlike some people, and what is that about now, because he knows the reason he survived, because he saved his own skin, and also, you guys, what do you think about that point? And uh, His own skin, but also the blind obsession to um, be able to uh, forge the pound and the dollar. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that there's a, there's a point where I think it's a, like a couple of times actually when the the whole burden of guilt about being in a certain situation and they, they seem to be spared and why them and, and why this and that and he I think he actually grabs the guy and says, "Don't be silly. This is just it's just one of these things. We have to live with it and we just have to get on with it. And there's there's nothing to feel guilty about." Um, but obviously, but he is obviously weighed down by that as the film progresses. Mm. Um, and you can see certainly when he's not that single-minded because he he does obviously try and look out for the guy with uh, with TB mm. as well. So there there are lots of uh, lots of occasions when when there is that sort of duality or um, or whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, personally, I as much as Sally is. The, the lead character and uh, you know he obviously almost steals the show but I actually quite liked I did quite like Herzog actually because he, he undergoes a transformation as the as the film progresses and you see that his his ideal behind the forgery and the, and the, and the counterfeiting is and early on you think ah well you know he's obviously he's a you know he wants to further his career and and, and you know he just wants to please his bosses and and make progress that way. But as the, as the film goes on and the war progresses, obviously the circumstances change dramatically. And in the end, it's no, it's no longer about the, the Nazi war effort. It's about him having access to money. 
it's all about money. Yeah. Um, it, it's about his obsession of having the money. And I guess with Sally, it's about his obsession with being able to make the money. Mm. Um, so you, you have these two things, and that, that obviously plays out in a mm. in, in, in quite a good scene I'm, toward uh, the end. I'm looking at one the so it won the best Oscar, best foreign movie, foreign language film in 2008, and it was running up against uh, a Mongol from uh, Kazakhstan about. Really? Genghis Khan, yeah, that was a pretty good movie, mm-hmm. as I remember. And also Twelve, which was um, a remake of Twelve Angry Men in Russia. Man, but I'm looking at the list of 2008 movies, and um, that was a good year, man. That yeah. was a really good year. It, 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 beats, it beats some good competition. It beats the crap out of 2010. I mean, com- let's, let's, compare to, <laughs> let's compare lists, huh? Um, 2008, Best Picture nominees were No Country for Old Men, Atonement, Juno, Michael Clayton, There Will Be Blood. Wow. Mm. And this year's nominees for Best Picture are... Oh, yeah, this year's... <laughs> there's already... There's ten movies, so it's not even five. There's ten. So, okay, actually, I'm I'm about to be gobsmacked because there's quite a few good names on here, but okay. Avatar, District 9, An Education, Hurt Locker, Inglorious Bastards, Precious... A Serious Man, Up in the Air, The Blind Side, Up. The Hurt Locker will win. You think? The Hurt Locker, I think, is a yeah. very good down film, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I haven't seen it, but I bet it wins. I, I've seen it. Not, not, li- not, least, not least because it won the... Uh, the uh, For Best Directing, the, right? The uh, Directors Guild Award. Exactly, yeah. and that that whatever wins that wins the best picture Oscar, mm. I think. Yeah, apparently. But I think she did she win best director or best movie? Uh, I don't know actually, <laughs> but I think it's all about it's all about best picture, isn't it? Yeah. So I'd have thought I'd have thought that she'll win best picture. I mean, Cameron could win best director, yeah. but I haven't I haven't seen Avatar. But I would so. say a lot more crowd pleasing movies this year, in a sense. Avatar, yeah, some, District Nine, some blockbuster, some blockbuster yeah. films out there. Um, yeah, I, I've seen Hurt, Hurt Logger, sorry. Um, but um, I don't know if, if from this list, I don't know if this is the best movie, but maybe it's the most uh, serious contender in a sense, but I don't know if this is the best picture of the year. I, I certainly enjoyed a lot of the other movies um, a lot more. And that was very enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I've put my list up on the website, so you can always have a look at that. But um, yeah, there's a, quite a few names on here that are... That are also on my list. Um, yeah, guys. So um, maybe we can um, f- round up with final thoughts, right? Um, Ahmed, what, what did, are your final thoughts on the movie? Um, I don't like uh, movies about concentration camps as much, but uh, this film I would uh, actually highly recommend it to a lot of people to check it out if you're in the mood for like. Something that will be unrevealing, something that will be different, involving the story that we've been talking on, then yes, for sure, definitely go for it. Okay. Marty, what about you? Um, it was my pick. I guess I have to uh, stand by that and, uh, and vindicate it by giving it definitely four or four and a half out of five. Um, I think the acting's brilliant. I think the story's great. It's really nicely shot. Um, it's not... It's not heavy like Schindler's List or uh, you know, you know or, or something similar, um, but yeah, I mean, 
put yourself in the right frame of mind and watch it. Oh. It's uh, it's just a, one, a wonderful film, and uh, I think there's a, there's a lot to take away, and there's a, there's a lot that you can uh, that you can gain by watching the film. So it's a wonderful film. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I I can highly recommend this movie. Um, I haven't watched Downfall yet, but um, both are German movies about um, the Second World War and the events of it. Um, I think watching a movie like this from a German perspective is very interesting, and it adds a, an extra layer to the movie. But the other good part is it's very interesting, and uh, it doesn't kind of uh, leave you an emotional wreck after seeing it. So that, yeah, that that's a pretty good thing about a movie like that. Um, yeah. So it doesn't yeah. exhaust you like Schindler's List. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so uh, that was uh, the counterfeiters. Um, I think we can wrap it up. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Um, next week we have a pick from Ahmed, I think, right? Ahmed, yes, we, we will. And I promise you guys, no more sad, heavy movies for a while. <laughs> okay, so we'll be looking forward to that. Um, you can always find us on iTunes or on our website on upodcasting.com. You can follow us on Twitter or please write us some uh, feedback on feedback at upodcasting.com. Um, till then, I leave you all um, and um, yeah, till next time, guys. See ya.